0: This is Stand Up for Jesus with your host, Craig Nedrow, founder of Craig Nedrow Ministries and Stand Up for Jesus. Our focus is to reach out to the lost and witness about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and calling on others to stand up for Christ and his word, proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And now, Standing Up for
1: Jesus. Here's Craig Nedrow. Welcome to the program. My name is Craig Nedrow, and this is Stand Up for Jesus. On the program today, I'm going to go back and I'm going to teach on a section of Scripture that I taught on several years ago. And one of the things I, that I love about the Scriptures is that they're alive. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the, the Word of God is alive and active. And what that means, among other things, what that means is that the Bible is a living, breathing document. And when I say that, there, you know, you can look at a certain Scripture at a certain point in your life. And that scripture can apply in ways that were relevant to the time it was written to the audience. It was written to from the, a specific author in a specific circumstance that author was, was in, but it's alive, which means it can also apply in your life at a certain point when you read it in a certain special way, that's called a rhema word. And then you can read that same scripture a few years or several years later, and it can still apply in the same way, or it can apply in another way. And so that's one of the things that I really, really love about the Word of God, that it is alive, and things that were written that were relevant when they were written can still be relevant years later, decades later, centuries later, and they can be relevant and are relevant to the world that we live in today. Now, I say all that to say this. The section of scripture that we're going to look at today uh it did apply when it was written, but i want to uh I want us today to look at this section of scripture through the lens of where we're at right now. Uh, I believe that we are at a critical um point in world history. I believe the bible and and this listen when I make some of these comments, please understand that I don't make, make a lot of these comments in a flippant manner. I have been studying God's Word pretty extensively for over 20 years. And the fact that the Lord has allowed me to have a radio program called Stand Up for Jesus and that we're in our 14th year on the air, that is a wonderful privilege, but there is also comes with that an awesome responsibility, and I don't take it lightly. Uh, I love the Word of God. I try to spend time in the Word of God every day. Um, I would love to tell you that I can sing real well. That's just not the gifting that I got. Um, the gift, In my opinion, the the main gifting that the Holy Spirit has given me is the gift of the Scriptures. I know the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I'm able to teach the Word of God. And I'm able to, to look at God's Word in a way that is relevant to the world that we live in today. And so um, when I look at this section of Scripture, I want us to talk about the point in world history and in the history of this nation where we're at right now. Um, You know, this brings a question to mind, and that's sometimes people will say, well, do you think that America is mentioned in the Bible in end times? And the simple answer to that is no, I do not. I think if... I've had some people say, "Well, I think we're the we the the young or we're the young eagle or the young lion that the Bible mentions." I think that's a it takes a lot of liberty with the Word of God. You know, God mentions many nations by name, and if He wanted to to mention our country by name, He certainly could have. And the the simple fact is, the Bible does not mention the United States of America in end times prophecy. And I will tell you, one of the reasons is because I believe in the very last days. The United States, for one of many possible reasons, is no longer a relevant player in end times prophecy. I think that uh, and I think the signs are everywhere that we as a country are on, on a tremendous downslide. Uh, I think um, it's only a matter of time before uh, we're replaced on the world economy as the leader of the world. And that grieves me because I grew up in this country. Uh, I love my country but I don't recognize my country that I grew up in anymore. And so, um, again, when when I look at this section of Scripture that I'm looking at now, when I say uh, how it could be relevant to our country today, it's really broader than that because uh, the individualism of America is is, if it's not totally gone, it's close to being gone now. So as we look at this section of Scripture today, Let's look at it with a lens of where this world is today, where society and where the world stage is right now. I've made this, this, I've given people this word picture before, but imagine this scene where God is on the throne in heaven. And, you know, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So imagine a scene in heaven, because I believe that the Bible gives us many indications that we are living in the very, very last days before the return of Christ. No one knows the day or the hour or the week or the month or the year. Anybody that tells you they do, they are mistaken or they've been deceived, and I certainly don't. However, Jesus said, when you see a storm cloud on the horizon, you know that it's about to rain. And when you feel the hot wind blow, you know summer is near. He says, when you see the fig tree budding, you know that that it's near. He says, why, "Hypocrites, why is it that you can discern the face of the earth, uh, the face of the sky, and the earth, but you don't discern the times?" The Bible gives us—I don't know the exact number—but it gives us dozens and dozens and dozens of signs of what the conditions will be in the very last days before the return of Christ, and we are living in those last days. And the fact that all these are happening at the same time in is in and of itself one of the signs that we're living in the last days. So um, with that in mind, that's part of the calling on my ministry is to teach on that particular subject matter. Uh, The Apostle Paul had said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That's part of the calling on my ministry. It's not a popular calling. I've never been in ministry trying to be popular What I want to do is be faithful to the Scriptures. I want to rightly divide the Word of God, and I want to teach and study the Word of God and speak about the Word of God in a way that is relevant to our world. I made this comment recently, and I have had quite a bit of of commentary on it. Uh, I recently did a sermon on the topic of AI, artificial intelligence, because I think that there's a lot of biblical support that speaks about the days that we're in right now with artificial intelligence. And I think artificial intelligence is demonic. I I think it is a tool that the the devil is using and will continue to use in these last days. But again, when I teach and preach from a lot of the different sections of Scripture, it's with that end times and that relevancy to the world that we're living in right now. So that's what I want to do today. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up to the Psalms. And we are going to go specifically to Psalms chapter two, this is an amazing chapter of Psalms. It is, um, it's such a contradiction to chapter one of Psalms, and I'm going to read chapter one of Psalms real quick because you'll see when I read Psalms chapter one, it's just a wonderful opening to the book of Psalms. But then Psalms chapter two jumps right in and and goes a whole different direction. Chapter one of Psalms says, "Blessed is the man." Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. This is such a wonderful blessing that is tied to someone who loves the Word of God and who spends quality time reading and studying and meditating on the Word of God it says in verse 3 that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now think about trees planted by the rivers of water. They're the healthiest trees. They have the deepest roots. Uh, they uh, most into- Oftentimes they're the biggest trees because they're planted by the waters. And here in chapter 1 of Psalms in verse 3, it says, the person who meditates and delights in the law, uh, uh, the word of God, shall be like a tree planted by the waters, rivers of water, "...that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither." And I love this. And you you can say, well, what are you saying by this, Craig? The Word says, and whatever he does shall prosper. And that word prosper means we'll do well, we'll do exceedingly well. So my Bible tells me here if I love the Word of God and I meditate on it, and I read it and study it and think about it, and it's the highest priority in my life then whatever I, will, whatever I do, choose to do, will prosper. And I, I'm just simple and minded enough to believe that, and I can tell you I'm a witness to that. I own a couple of different businesses. Uh, the Lord has prospered me. He has blessed me in abundance. I have two radio programs. Never thought I'd be on the radio. The Lord has given me the privilege of having a couple of radio programs. I, whatever I have done has prospered, but it's not because of me. It's because of God prospering me. Then in verse 4, it says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. When that means when that, when says the ungodly will not stand in the judgment, what it's talking about is uh, in, in uh, the New Testament when it says, We shall all stand at the bema seat of Christ. That's when Christ hands out his rewards, and and it's not of... Uh, it's, it, it will be a a, um, a a giving and a loss of rewards, but it has nothing to do with salvation. What this When it says here in Psalms chapter 1, therefore the ungodly will not stand in the judgment, that means they will not stand at the bema seat. They will be in another judgment called the great white throne, which is mentioned at the end of Revelation. And then it says, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And then in verse 6 of, of Psalms chapter 1, it finishes and says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So that's a, a strong contrast about the righteous and the ungodly. It's a strong contrast about those who are blessed by loving and spending time in the Word of God versus those who don't. And then it leads us into Psalms chapter 2, which, I, like I mentioned, goes a completely different direction. So during this program, I take three breaks. And I'm going to go ahead and take my first break right now uh, because I don't want to uh, start into S- Ch- Psalms chapter 2 and then have to take a break in just a minute. So I'm going to take my, my, my first break, come back, and we're going to jump right in to Psalms chapter 2. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus.
0: We return to Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedro on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.
1: Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. And I'm teaching from Psalms chapter 2. Now, in the opening segment, I talked a little bit about why I wanted to teach from this particular section of Scripture. I actually read Psalms chapter 1 because I think it's just a wonderful lead-in to the entire book of Psalms. But now in Psalms chapter 2, the Word of God takes a completely different direction from Psalms chapter 1. And this is really the chapter I want to teach on. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get through it all today. It may be a two-part series where I'll teach on it again next week, but we'll just see where the Lord leads here. So I'm going to begin reading now in Psalms chapter 2, and I'm going to stop several places during this uh, particular uh, chapter of Psalms and teach on it and, and, and speak about it. So Psalms chapter 2 starts out, and it says, Why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing? Now, let me just stop there and talk about that because that verse in and of itself is pretty packed with some stuff. The Bible says why. Now, when the Bible asks why like that, it already knows the answer. It's thought-provoking to us. And so the word says here, why do the nations rage? And the word nations, if you look at it in the original Hebrew word, it's called Gentiles. And here's what I will tell you. Every one of us uh, are either, in, from a biblical perspective, we're either a Jew or we're a Gentile. So if you're Jewish, if you were born as a Jew, if you have family heritage as a Jew, then you're a Jew. But if you're not, and I don't, then we're considered Gentiles. Some places in the Bible it calls us Greeks, but in the Old Testament, it will refer to either Jews or Gentiles, and, and Gentiles are people who are not the Jewish nation. And so here it says, why do the nations rage? So it's speaking about on a worldwide scale, why do the Gentiles, why do all the people who are not the Jews, why are they raging? And that word rage, we know what that means. It means they're angry. It means they are um, enraged and inflamed. And so here in Psalms chapter 2, it says, why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. Now, let me just stop and explain why it comes at us like this in verse 1. The reason it's a, a vain plot is because you're either for God or against God and the Bible teaches clearly that the, there is only one true God and some people go well that's awfully narrow-minded okay well it is narrow-minded I don't know I, you know I, I, I didn't I didn't create I'm not the creator okay it is narrow-minded there is only one true God and he is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He is the God of Israel. He is the God and Father of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you are a follower of Jesus, he is your heavenly Father. You're either you've either been born again and Jesus is your Lord and Savior and God is your Father or he's not. One of the the tools that the devil has made is that there's a gray area. And folks, there is no gray area. Jesus said of those who, people who were not his followers You are of your father, the devil, who was a murderer and a liar, and he's been a liar from his beginning. He is the father of lies. So every person on this planet either has the devil or God, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, either he's your father or the devil is. And that may not be a popular statement, but that's what the Bible teaches clearly. And so here in Psalms, Chapter 2, when it says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The reason I say that it's a vain thing is because, let me explain something. This is kind of a a simple statement, but God wins. Now, we may look at our world right now and go, I'm not really so sure. That's okay, okay? We're, we're, We're probably about halfway through the fourth quarter or headed towards the end of the fourth quarter, but let me tell you something. The two minute war- once the two-minute warning hits, the last two minutes of this game is a wild ride. Let me tell you something. God wins. And so the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? There is no defeating God. He is the only true God. He is uh, omnipotent. He is sovereign. He's on his throne. He says, I will share my glory with no one. So any group of people, any nation, any society of people that want to plot um, against God, it is a vain thing. It is, vain means worthless. So the Bible says here, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? In other words, I don't, I don't know what you're so mad about. I don't know what you're, you're enraged and inflamed about. But if you're, if you're trying to come against God, it is a vain plot. And then he goes on and says in verse two, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Now, let me ask you a question. Think about our world today. Think about, I want you to broaden your thought a little bit now and think about, and I don't know how many of you listening to this program have studied these things or do study these things, but I spend a lot of time looking at, I hate to call myself a news junkie, but I look at world events because I, I love to look at them through the lens of, of the scriptures. But when you think of things, about things like the World Economic Forum, uh, NATO, uh, there is a small group of, of individuals, and they are world leaders. They are um, presidents and kings of nations and um, people that we, we would call rulers of the world and it's a fairly small group and they meet from time to time throughout the year and the their discussion is what can we do to control the future of this world how we can control the people how can we can what do we need to do to make sure that we have world dominance and if you think that's not true i would challenge you to do some homework because it doesn't take you long and it's not hard to find when you can begin to see that there are some very sinister Forces at work in our world that want to control this world economically, socially, uh, governmentally. This group I'm talking about wants to depopulate the world to a certain level. They want to control that population. They want to control the movement of that population. They want to control the thoughts of that population. They want to control the world finances. And if you think that's not true, I challenge you to spend some time researching this, and you'll see. And it's exploding right now. Now, these forces have been in place for quite a while. When I say quite a while, probably the last 50 to 60 to 70 years. But really, they are g- gr- growing bolder and bolder, and they are really seizing the opportunity. And I will tell you, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. What I am is a is a realist that understands the world from a biblical perspective And I'm telling you, COVID was part of that. And so here the Bible says the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together. Understand this. There's kings involved, there's presidents involved, and there's people who the the Bible says who are rulers. They're the people who are really pulling the strings. If you think Joe Biden is in control of this country, you've been deceived. Biden is, is a puppet, and this is true on a worldwide basis. There are people who are rulers, and, and they meet with presidents. They meet with kings, and that's why it says here, and the, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together. They, they, they meet in these things I'm talking about. This is real, folks. I love the fact that the scriptures are so on target, and and God's word doesn't candy coat things. It says here, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. And then what are they taking counsel together against? Look what it says. Against the Lord and against his anointed. So there, do you understand that these these groups I'm talking about, these rulers and kings and presidents and the, the group I'm talking about, um, they hate the Lord. They hate God. They hate Jesus they hate organized religion they want a world one world religion that's part of the the thing that they're taking counsel about is they want a quote unquote one world religion which if you study the scriptures you'll find out that in the book of revelation there will be a one world religion come that's part of the, that's part of the seven year tribulation that we are close to entering into but here it says they want these rulers and the kings of the earth they take counsel together against the lord And in my Bible, that word Lord is all capitalized. Look at it in yours, and you'll see. Sometimes when that word Lord is capitalized, uh, it means a special thing. Um, When you see in the—and it's almost always in the Old Testament, but when you see Lord capitalized, it refers to Yahweh or Jehovah. It refers to God the Father. So they they hate God, and then it says, and against his anointed— And that word anointed in my Bible is capitalized, which means whose is anointed one? When you look at the word Christ in the original Greek language, it means the anointed one. It means the Messiah. It means the Greek word is Christos. And it means the anointed one, the Messiah, the one chosen by God to save the world from their sins. And so here it says that these rulers and kings set themselves and they take counsel together against God Almighty and against his son, Jesus Christ. But that also means when it's the anointed, it's the body of Christ. We're his children, and they hate us, and they want to control us, and they'd love to destroy us. I'm going to take my next break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up For Jesus.
0: More of Craig Nedro and Stand Up For Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word,
1: 100.7 FM. Welcome back. This is Stand Up for Jesus. I'm Craig Nedro. I'm teaching from Psalms chapter 2. I will tell you this is an absolutely amazing chapter in the Bible. And I'm talking about looking at it through the lens of the world we're in right now in a worldwide condition, worldwide uh, society, uh, worldwide structure, and I mentioned the fact that in the in my first segment, I mentioned the fact that America is nowhere mentioned in the Bible and end times prophecy because we're no longer the superpower that we have been. And that's all part of the, listen, God's on his throne. And I mentioned this earlier, and I didn't get to finish this. Imagine this word picture, God sitting on the throne. And the Bible says there's a great cloud of witnesses. Imagine God sitting on his throne and millions and millions and millions of of saints, people who have already died. Paul said to be absent from the the body is to be present with the Lord. And they're leaning over and they're looking down on earth. I think there would be angels leaning over and peering down and watching what's happening on earth. And I can almost see the son, Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's in his robe. He's ready to get and come back. It's almost like God's got his hand on him, almost like this saying, "Hang on a minute, son. Hang on a second. Not quite yet." But I think God has been moving. If you, if you could look at the earth as a big chessboard, let me tell you something. God's not on his on his throne, wringing his hands, thinking, "Oh my gosh, I didn't see that that, that coming. What am I going to do now?" I'm telling you, God is moving pieces into place for the last seven years of the history of mankind. We are that close. Don't know the day, the hour, the week, the month, the year, but we are that close to the return of Christ. And nothing that's happening is is not in under the control of the Lord. And he's moving pieces in place. And, and, and I, you can almost feel God about ready to say to Jesus, go get my church. Go get my, go get my children. I believe we're that close. So this group that's against God, the kings of the earth, the rulers of the earth, they take counsel together. And it says in Psalms chapter 2, um, uh, against the Lord and against his anointed saying, and so they actually come out with what they want to do. They say, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. In other words, they want to destroy Christianity. They don't want any talk about Jesus. They don't want to talk about the uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They hate Israel. They hate America. They hate everything having to do with Christ. If you're a believer in Christ, do you want Jesus? But I love it. Jesus foretold us another one of the signs. He said, you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And, folks, I hate to tell you this, but we're there. People hate us now, and I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. But we are now the enemy to the world. And if you're a true follower of Christ, your name is written in the, book, book, the Lamb's Book of Life, but you've also got a target on you because the devil is the ruler of this world, and he hates you. And here it says, the rulers and the kings of the earth take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. In other words, if let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me give you another word picture. Let's say the rapture happened this afternoon. Immediately after the rapture of the church happens, where all true believers are removed, there's going to be a worldwide celebration because you know what they're going to say? We are so glad those judgmental, narrow-minded Christians are gone. We don't know what happened to them, and somebody will come on the scene and say, oh, they've been abducted by aliens, okay? So, that's my thought. But, but some, the Antichrist will come on the scene, explain what's happened, but the rest of the world's going to say, you know what? We're glad they're gone. They were narrow-minded. They were judgmental. We're glad these goody-two-shoes are now gone. And that's what this means when it says, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. They would like nothing better than for us to be out of the picture. Now, I love the next verse here. Remember, God is almighty. He is sovereign. He is on his throne. And if God be for us, who can be against us? God says over and over and over again in Isaiah chapter 43 and chapter 44, I am the Lord God there is no other God other than me. And he says it oh, like 17 times in three chapters. The Bible says the, the, there is only one God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the Lord God, and there is no other. And here in Psalms chapter 2, I love verse 4. It says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. In other words, do you really think that you're going to come against God Almighty. That's why it says back up in verse 1, why do the nations rage and uh, people plot a vain thing? Do you understand how stupid it sounds that you're going to defeat God? You're going to come against God and against his son, Jesus Christ, and you think you can win? The devil's been thinking that since the beginning, folks, and he's defeated. He thought he won when he killed Jesus. And then God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. It says here in Psalms chapter 2, verse 4, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. God says, these are some silly people thinking that they're going to come against me. People think they have power on this earth. The only power they have is the power that's been given to them. Because it's all part of God's plan. And Jesus said it would be this way, just before his return. The spirit of deception, the moral depravity, the lawlessness. Jesus said lawlessness will abound. Moral perversity. Listen, I my my dad and my wife's dad, if they were back on if they were alive today, they both died about ten years ago. If they were alive today to see what we're doing with letting transvestites and uh people doing what they're doing in our schools, they'd say, What 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 in the world is wrong with you people? Folks, our consciences have been seared. The Bible says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil in Isaiah 5 and 20, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And that word woe is a Hebrew word which pronounces judgment. Folks, we're there. We have lost our way in this country. We have lost our way in society. It what, what is what, what is the truth has been turned upside down. You, things that we now um, speak the truth are called hate speech. People come out and, and say God's word is not God's word. They say they call God's word uh, hate speech. They try to outlaw God's word. Folks, let me tell you something. God's word was relevant the day it was written. It's relevant today, and it will always be relevant. And you know what? Jesus said, "Heaven and earth shall pass away." But my words shall never pass away. And we're living in this time right now that Psalms chapter 2 talks about. And it says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. God laughs at these plans that the nations and the leaders and the rulers and the kings have, that they're plotting against him, against his children, against Christianity, against Jesus. God sits in the heavens and and laughs. And then look what it says. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Derision is a very interesting word. In the Old Hebrew, it is the word um, L-A-N-G, and here's what it means. To speak unintelligently. Now, I find that interesting. As I was studying this last night in the middle of the night, and I looked at that word again, uh, the, the the word um, derision, um, to speak unintelligently. Don't you find it interesting that AI is called artificial intelligence? Artificial, if you look it up in the Webster Dictionary, means man-made. Hmm. So AI is man-made intelligence. To me, that sounds a lot like derision, to speak unintelligently. Intelligence comes from the Lord. Man's intelligence has been corrupted and skewed, and it says here that the Lord shall hold them in derision. I believe God's looking on us right now going, you want artificial intelligence? <laughs> you 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 want to have a machine that rewrites the Bible? Have you heard that lately? That AI is rewrite is writing a correct version of the Bible? Have you heard recently that China is rewriting the Bible? Hmm. Let me know how that goes. God, the Bible says here: He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold them in derision. And I challenge you. Right now, God is holding the rulers and the kings and the people that think that they're pulling the purse strings in this world, God is holding them in derision. They're deceived. The Bible says in the last days, uh, um, scoffers will come and they will, it says, uh, dece- deceivers will come to deceive and be deceived. And they will, will grow worse and worse and worse. And we're living in these times right now. I'm going to take my last break and come back. My name is Craig Nedro. And this is Stand Up For Jesus. Back to
0: Stand Up For Jesus with Craig Nedrow on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.
1: Welcome back. This is Stand Up For Jesus. I'm Craig Nedrow. I'm teaching from Psalms Chapter 2 today. Not to be repetitive, but I will tell you this is an amazing chapter. I would like to encourage you during your quiet time, sit down, open your Bible, Go through chapter two, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and minister to you about what this, things about this particular chapter. It's an amazing chapter. I'm not going to get through it all the way today. So this will be part one of Psalms chapter two, and then next week we'll do part two. So I'm in verse four, and in verse four, it says, uh, talking about, let me back up because we need to just re- review just a little bit. In chapter 2, verse 1 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So, in other words, the leaders of this world, kings, rulers, people in power, hate God, they hate Jesus Christ, they hate Christianity, they hate uh, the Christian religion, and they're trying to destroy us. And you, as a believer in Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus, you need to know that. But we do not have to fear because we know how it ends. Then it says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. And I mentioned that that word derision means to speak unintelligently. It also reminds me of one other verse. And this it may, you may have a footnote in your Bible that says Psalms 37 and 13. As I flip over there and look at Psalms 37 and 13, here's what that verse says. Uh, Actually, I I will start in verse 12. Psalms 37, verse 12 says, The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes at him with his teeth. Verse 13 says, The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. God says, You think that you can in control of this earth? You think that you can come against me? And my children and against my son, Jesus Christ. It says, God's all the, the, what we're witnessing right now, guys, is God allowing this to happen. Because Jesus said the conditions at the end, just before his return, these things is the conditions of the world right now. And we're watching this. I can teach for months on end about the conditions in the world right now from a biblical perspective, that read like today's newspaper. And I probably need to go back. I did a series many years ago. It was a 12-week series. And it was titled 44 Signs We're Living in the Last Days. I could do 144 Signs We're Living in the Last Days now, all backed up with scripture. And I probably need to go back and do another teaching series on that. But just know this. As someone who is a serious student of the Word, we are living in the last days before the return of Christ. And there are so, so many signs. The billboards are everywhere. It's not as though God is not speaking to us. It's uh, though the question is, are we listening? Because the signs are everywhere. Because God sees that their day is coming. So as I go back over to Psalms chapter 2, it says, The Lord shall hold them in derision. He shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. So, let me talk about that for a minute. I'm going to flip over and I'm going to read from another uh, from a chapter in Revelation. You know, when we think about Jesus, we think about a baby in a manger, wonderful scene. We also think about Jesus on the cross, horrible scene. We think about Jesus rising from the dead, another beautiful, wonderful scene. But then there's one more I want to read to you, and if you if you are following me in your Bible today, Flip over to Revelation and let's go to Revelation. Let's go directly to chapter 19. Because the next time we see Jesus come back to this earth and actually not just in the air, but come back to the earth, this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to begin reading uh, in chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 11. Now think about The image of Jesus as a baby in a manger, then dying on the cross, then raising from the dead. Now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Now listen to this. This is Revelation chapter 19. I'll start reading in verse 11. John says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Just so you'll know, that's Jesus. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now, if you are familiar with the book of John at all, John starts out and says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Jesus is referred to as the Word of God. Here, he is referred to in chapter 19 of Revelation as the Word of God. It says in verse 13, he was clothed, with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Just so you'll know, that's the church. That's the raptured church. And in verse 15 it says, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath Of Almighty God, and He has on His robe, and on His name, uh, He has on His robe and on His thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Folks, let me tell you something. I go back over to Psalms chapter two, and when I see in in, in verse five that it says He shall speak to them in His wrath and distress them in His deep pleasure, we're talking about the Day of the Lord that's coming. Let me pause because I'm gonna I want to jump back into this next week and continue through the rest of chapter 2 of Psalms, but let me just conclude this um, particular program today with a summary of what I've been talking about. Think of the world that we're living in right now. I know it can be very um, depressing. It can cause a lot of anxiety. I know a lot of sweet, sincere, sold-out believers that can't hardly watch the news because they can't stand it. But I also know a lot of sincere, sold-out believers who are grieved by what we're witnessing around the world. We're grieved about what we're, what's taking place in our own nation. The depravity, the lawlessness, the, the wickedness, the corruption uh, in, our, in everything from government to business and everything in between. Um, as we look we at, are, we are living in a fallen world right now that is descending into the depths of hell. The good news is this. Jesus said it would be this way. Jesus said, when you see all these signs, look up because your redemption draws near. I'm actually going to flip over there and read that to you real quick. Look in, if you're flipping over there with me, look very quickly to Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to start reading in verse 32. Jesus said, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and put it forth its leaves, you know that summer is near so you also when you see all these things know that it is near at the hand listen we are so close to the return of christ we if you're a follower of jesus you do not have to be afraid of what's happening in our world however we need to be aware Paul said, I write these things that you may understand the wiles of the devil. He said that in Ephesians chapter 6, and that word wiles means the strategies. Folks, we're living in a world right now that has gone away, that has lost their way. We're we're living in a world that is drowning in depravity. However, if your name is written in the book of life, be encouraged because Jesus is coming back soon. I appreciate you tuning in. I'll be teaching uh, part two on this next week from Psalms chapter two. My name is Craig Nedro, and this is Stand Up for Jesus.
0: You've been listening to Stand Up for Jesus with Craig Nedro, founder of Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up for Jesus. If you would like more information about Craig Nedro Ministries and Stand Up for Jesus, visit our website at craignedroministries.org or give us a call at area code 469-688-7615. Be sure to listen next week at this same time as we stand up for Jesus on Christian Talk Radio, The Word, 100.7 FM.